BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Before this episode begins, I have a few more tour dates left for this year. This weekend, Thursday, November 7th, I will be in Oklahoma City. Friday, November 8th, Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Sunday, November 17th, San Francisco. Friday, December 6th, Richmond, Virginia, Saturday, December 7th, Durham, North Carolina, and Friday, December 13th, Los Angeles for the Jen Kirkman Dysfunctional Christmas Show, the 8th annual, and then right around the corner, first few days of January 2nd through 4th, I'll be in Sacramento, and January 12th, San Diego, a little California threefer for the end of the year. All tickets available right now, jenkirkman.com. Click tour. With Jen Kirkman. Having funlessness with Jen Kirkman, episode 310. What will we talk about this week? I think I even have a theme this week, and it's called Am I the Asshole? I know it's a Reddit thread, and somebody sent me an interesting thread on Reddit. I will talk about it. He wants to know why can't his neighbor just cook for him. I had an experience in an Uber where I requested a quiet ride. The woman insisted that we not have one, and she talked to me as I was high on Valium all the way to a back procedure. And more on this week's Having Funlessness with Jen Kirkman. If you are new to this podcast, I am Jen Kirkman. I am a stand-up comedian. I have two specials on Netflix. I'm going to die alone and I feel fine and just keep living. If you are here for jokes, you may laugh, but these are not jokes. This is a conversation. I tell stories about my life and life is a fucking mess. So you might laugh, you might cry, you might get angry, but one thing you're going to get is realness. Here we go. All right. So am I the asshole? I'll start out with this Reddit thread and then we'll get into my own life. This was sent to me from my friend Nathan who runs the Vermont Comedy Club in Burlington, Vermont. Hello. Hello to you. Shout out everyone who lives in that area. That is one of the greatest clubs in the country. They only bring in the best comics. So go support that. Go support them. Anyway, so this, I guess there's a red, I I stay away from Reddit. I know there's good stuff on there, but there's also terrible stuff. And I can only have so much internet in my life that is both terrible and there's some good stuff in there at the same time. I have Twitter. That's plenty. As I say, people like to say things like, this is a dumpster fire or this is the trash. But I try to be a little more creative in my words as I am a writer. I also have two books if anyone's new to me. I can barely take care of myself. And I know what I'm doing in other lives I tell myself. Do you notice the theme? You can get them both in paperback if you want on Amazon. 
I don't want to give Jeff Bezos any more money. Or whatever. Go to your favorite indie bookstore. Go to jenkirkman.com, click books, and you can find out all the different ways to get the book without putting the money in Bezos' pocket. Now, anyway. So as a wordsmith, I'll try to be wordsmithier and not say the internet is a dumpster fire, but I would say Twitter and other websites like it, they're like a vintage store. They seem appealing when you look in from the outside. Oh, I could quick go in and grab something unique and cool, and then you go in and it's overwhelmed. There are rows and rows of outdated things jammed in there like so many hot takes, and then you leave smelling like mothballs. And once in a while, you might find a gem, but is it worth the trip in there in the first place? So Reddit for me, I will only go if you send me to read a specific thing, and I was sent to read this. I What I gather from this thread or this room or group, see, I don't know, I don't spend time on Reddit, but this thing on Reddit is called, am I the asshole? And people ask for advice where they try to wonder, am I the asshole in this situation? I don't get it. Why is everyone reacting to me as though I'm an asshole? Am I? So this guy, I give him, listen, I went through an emotional roller coaster reading this. And, uh, you know, I give this guy credit for even asking because, of course, you can ask. There's two ways to ask that question, right? Oh, am I the asshole? And when you ask it that way, you're not going to like the answer if the answer is yes, you, you are the problem. You're going to go, oh, well, it's a rhetorical question. Now, if you're really asking, am I the asshole here? You might be open to hearing, yeah, you kind of are. And I'm, I'm going to, spoiler alert for you, this guy, just by asking, I think, was open to an answer. Um, but I won't, spo- I won't spoil exactly what happens. It's not like that. Now I'm really overselling like something amazing is going to happen. And we have him right here. So this is this particular guy's thread. I'm a 31-year-old single guy who lives alone in an apartment complex. I've lived there for six years. My neighbor across the hall, a woman around my age or a little younger, I actually don't know her first name, but I'll call her Katie, lives across the hall from me diagonally and has for about two years. We exchange hello, but aren't friendly, which is how it is with most of my neighbors. So I don't know how to cook, and due to losing one of my part-time gigs, I don't have as much money for takeout anymore. There's so many things like you don't know the restraint I'm showing by not interrupting myself reading this except for this one time. I am actually highlighting things as I go. Okay, sorry. Um, So I don't know how to cook and due to losing one of my part-time gigs, I don't have as much money for takeout anymore. I'm getting really sick of eating cheap fast food or boxed mac and cheese. I'm gaining weight and I never feel great. This is where Katie comes in. I can always smell her cooking in the hall and it always smells amazing. I know it isn't the other person at the end of our hall because that is a single old man. I've even complimented it a few times. So this is where it gets, am I the asshole? So I got the idea that I'd offer to give her some money each week to cook a little extra and bring it over to me. 
Or I can pick it up from her at night. She's cooking anyway. And then I'd have some, I assume, varied, presumably delicious food. I asked her the next time I saw her, and she looked surprised and said she couldn't because she was too busy, which didn't make sense because she cooks almost every day, but okay. The next time I saw her a few days later, I asked her if she was sure and upped the amount I was offering. And she said she was sure and that it was rude to ask me and that she isn't a housekeeper for hire and I should get a housekeeper if that's what I want. She also called me a stranger, even though we have talked in the halls before. (laughs) I have so many thoughts. Overall, she made me feel like a big jerk and really embarrassed for even asking her. I have thoughts on that. And a little mad because she was acting like I was being creepy. Parentheses, I wasn't. Trust me, she isn't my type. A lot to say about that. I think asking her to split cooking wasn't completely outlandish since she cooks every day anyway, and it wouldn't be hard to make a little more. So, A-I-T-A, that's short for am I the asshole? So then he goes back and I didn't see what people wrote, but you can go back in and add the word edit. So it means he's taken some things into account or he wants to add another thought. People keep assuming I'm sexist because I didn't think it was the old man who lives on our hall cooking. I'm not, it's not an assumption for me. He and I have lived across from each other for six years. The cooking smells didn't start till she moved in. And I've talked to her about how good her cooking smells before. So I'm with him on that. Like, I don't think it's sexist to not assume an old man isn't cooking, especially because it wasn't even an assumption. It was a fact. Okay. His last edit after getting feedback was, okay, it's abundantly clear that I was the asshole and asking her was inappropriate and as much as I hate to admit it, creepy. My instinct is to apologize to her, but since my instinct was to ask her in the first place, I'll do the opposite and stay out of her hair. Thanks. Now, I'm fucking impressed with that. Like, I'm like, good. I think we need to encourage whomever this is and other people like him, who are willing to take a look. Yeah, now you learn something. And what I like is that he he took everybody's advice and then added his own new instinct to, you know what, I think I should go apologize. But since the first instinct I had wasn't great, I'm not gonna. Now, I think he could maybe send her a card, a little note, put it under her door. That way she, she doesn't deal talking to him. And he can say he realized he was wrong and he's really sorry. Um, maybe even a little gift or something, but that, that would be all I would say. So when I was reading this, there was like, I'm going to confess, there was like two seconds where I was like, that's not that crazy to ask. (laughs) I don't, I must've just been skimming it because reading it the second time, I was like, oh, this is fucking insane because he doesn't even know her name and, and didn't bother to learn her name, but asked her to cook for him. I mean, cook for him. And then gets upset when he says she acted like, you know, she called him a stranger. And he's like, we're not strangers. You don't know her name. It's literally a stranger. Literally. And, you know, his instinct to say, I wasn't being creepy. Trust me, she isn't my type. Yeah. um, First of all, what are you, Donald Trump? First of all, first of all, times 10. I 
creepiness has nothing to do just with sexual vibes that we get from someone or not. You can be a murderer who doesn't want to have sex with someone. So we just don't, we, it's just weird. It's just weird. Anything that's out of the norm is creepy, right? Like if you saw a butterfly in your hallway, are butterflies sometimes beautiful? Yes. But it's like a little foreboding and creepy. If there's a butterfly in your condo, you're on the sixth floor, you're in a city, you're not surround, you're not near a butterfly sanctuary, it's not butterfly time of year, and then there's just one like slowly flapping its wings down the hall. You're not like, you know what, that butterfly doesn't want to have sex with me, so this isn't creepy at all. You're, you're like, this is, this is out of place. So I'm going to, one of the words I could use is creepy. You could be a beautiful butterfly and still be creepy. So... But this is what I don't get. And, and I, I almost want to send Susie Orman to this guy's house to yell at him. He loses one of his part-time gigs and he doesn't have as much money for takeout anymore. Takeout? I mean, that costs so much money every day. You could just learn two quick recipes like scrambled eggs and bean and cheese burritos or something like that. And it, it could even be made you know, with ingredients from the grocery store, you could spend $20 and eat for a week. And so all it would take seriously is eggs, beans, cheese, flour tortillas, and like maybe if you wanted some tomatoes or whatever. So that's his problem right there is this lazy, like why don't you learn to cook, asshole? Why don't you get one of those million, listen to some other podcast and they'll be advertising one of those, we deliver food to your home and you cook it. Get one of those fucking things. <sighs> I'm gaining weight and I never feel great. Like, just get your fucking shit together. You're 31 years old and you don't know how to make something for yourself and all you eat is takeout and you're gaining weight and your only solution is that your female neighbor should cook. For By the way, cooking extra is a big deal. Like, she has to make extra food, put it in some kind of container. Are you going to give her the Tupperware, bitch? And are you going to wash it every single day and give it back to her? Like, how is she going to get it to you, even if you go pick it up from her? How is she going to give it to you? And also, it's extra work for her. It's extra ingredients. And now her experience is not just her own. She's got you on the brain. I mean, it's so intrusive. It's so intrusive. And maybe, I know this guy isn't listening, but maybe someone was listening along going, I don't see what the big deal is. This is what the big deal is. Then he upped the amount she was offering. I thought he didn't have any money. So why don't you just go put an ad on Craigslist or Facebook and say, hey, everybody, I'm like really broke and but I can spend ten dollars a day. I mean, but if again you can go to the grocery store. Like you could literally just ask someone, you could pay someone once, like fifty bucks to come over for an hour and show you how to cook three things. And then you could go to the grocery store and start doing it. Or you could Google I mean, this is inexcusable. This is even I would hope queer eye wouldn't take this on, that they'd be like, No, you're just kind of a dick. Anyway, let's remember that when we do something and someone sets a boundary, you don't go, you made me feel like a jerk and really embarrassed. You feel. No one made you feel that way. You feel that way. That's it. Don't be like, don't be like the way I feel is a direct result of how you presented it. Nope. That's on you. Handle your business. So... 
I think there's a lot of emotional maturity that needs to happen out there with men. And before you go, not all men. Let me just tell you, it's enough to be worried. All right, so there you go. But I am proud of him. He learned something at the end. So, so is he the asshole? Yes. Am I the asshole in this situation? I'll let you guys weigh in, and I'll try to take it like a champ. But, you know, I am sensitive as well. But I won't say, you made me this. But I will, I will present my story, and you, and you can tell me if I was the asshole or not. Um, okay, so I have this whole weird day last week where I go to my orthopedist, which again, I still can't accept that that is the name of a back doctor. It sounds like a foot doctor to me. Am I saying it wrong? I'm probably saying it wrong. No, that's podiatrist, orthopedist. So I have neck arthritis. I have degenerated discs all up and down um, and lots of inflammation in one of my nerves. Now, most of it's better. It was really bad last year where I couldn't even move my head and I had to get these steroid cortisone shots in my neck. And then um, I was doing a lot of physical therapy. This is just the backstory to prevent people from giving me remedies. If you do, I will, I will literally have a nervous breakdown. Like there's no remedies I need. Um, but everyone's like physical therapy, physical therapy, strengthen your neck. And I was like, I just am just like not a physical therapy person unless it's like, oh, my knee needs rehabbing. I had an accident, but this notion that, okay, everything comes from our neck. So if your back is messed up, it's your neck. I get that. But so we got to strengthen your neck. You have to do these exercises every day. I was like, I, that seems like really aggressive and I just don't buy it. And, you know, my physical therapist had a negative attitude. They were like, it was all like, what did you do? What did you do? And I know they're trying to figure out what you did so that you can stop doing it. But at a certain point, we just have to go, we don't know, but here's what you can do. So then I found the Alexander Technique, which is something I had studied in college as part of the acting program. And it's about letting go and letting your body be loose. You ever see those old women in other cultures that are carrying a million things on their head and they're like 95 years old? What's well, because our bones are meant to stock on each other and we don't necessarily need muscle strength for everything. And, you know, our body sort of knows what to do. But when we're constantly pitched forward with our neck, even the littlest bit, that can cause trauma to the back. That's as significant as an accident. And if you do it every single day your whole life, that is 20 pounds of pressure to literally almost every hour that you're awake. That is putting pressure on you. That's what happened to me. And it was living in New York for a couple of years, the last few years, and having a writing job. And, you know, when you get stressed or depressed or whatever, you just I, I tend to physically fold in as though I'm protecting myself somehow. And then I just let my posture get terrible. And it's not even about sitting up straight. It's just about loosening and letting your body stack on top of itself. And so as my Alexander Technique teacher always says, we don't need strong necks. We need free necks. And I love that. And so I've learned a lot. And I, again, I took it when I was a teenager, but I didn't see the value in it. And it, and of course, it's helped my voice and it's an amazing thing that you can use for the stage. So it's it's changed my life. And uh, But there was one, so, you know, and I still go to the chiropractor as needed. I do Pilates four or five times a week. I walk. I'm you know, there's no pain there. I, I'm not really like a pain relief needer, which is great, but I'll take a leave as needed for any inflammation. I've done CBD. I've done CBD cream, it, but it's not really that kind of thing. It's more like, 
a pinched nerve in my back. So all of the other things went away with the Alexander Technique. I don't actually think they even went away because of the steroid shots. And then the last thing we were going to do was this pinched nerve right under my shoulder, which, by the way, in general, will be handled by me doing different, like doing the life of the Alexander Technique. But I had to at least get the initial inflammation down that's been there for almost two years. So that's why I went to get a cortisone shot. Like nobody, nobody knows the part-time job that this little recent in the last two years neck arthritis situation has been. I, I promise you it's my, was my entire focus. I did the turmeric. I like, I, I get it. I get inflammation. I'm not beyond learning, but there'd be no knees. There'd be no reason to assume I'm not up on every single angle and very curious about it. So Nobody has ever reached out unsolicited with anything valuable to anybody on like on earth. Never. Bye. So my point is, and I know I'm being an asshole. My point is, I don't like to tell people I get that steroid shot because then they think that I do nothing about my back and I'm just getting these crazy shots and that's not the case. So I normally, now when I first found out I had to get one of these they said that I could go under anesthesia for it because some people do that. And I thought that's insane. And recovering from anesthesia is so crazy. No. And then they offer Valium, which they prescribe you. They give you just two. And the reason they do that is so that you can relax. It doesn't help take the pain of the needle away, but it relaxes you enough that you don't care and you don't get jumpy on the table because again, he's taking a giant needle and putting it in your neck. And it has to hold it there for 90 seconds. So, yeah. And then the nerve can start moving, and it can get quite intense. So, you know, Valium helps. Um, first time I did it, I took the Valium, and it was such a pain in my ass to recover that I was like, I'm not, I'd rent the pain was, I still felt it. I'm not going to jump around. It's fine. I'm a pretty good patient. So I went, and I did another one another time. No Valium. Pain was, you know, not great, but it was fine. And then I had the rest of the day free. I could do whatever. You just can't work out. So, by the way, my doctor loves Joe Rogan and loves to talk about it. Now, I got no beef with Joe Rogan. Um, a few people thought I stole my gray pubic hair bit from him, which I do on I'm Gonna Die Alone and I Feel Fine. Now, again, I don't know Joe Rogan's gray pubic hair bit. Mine, I recorded in 2014 I wrote it in 2013. Uh, you know, I don't know. But uh, a bunch of people, but I, I don't know how it could be similar to Joe Rogan's bit because I talk about having a vagina and I don't think Joe Rogan has one. And I talk about what it's like as a woman to have a young looking face. And then that seems, you know, it, it's a whole thing about, it's about aging. And I guess some of it could be gender neutral, but I certainly didn't steal it from Joe. I never went and watched his bit. I don't even know where he did it. So all these people were coming after me on Twitter a long time ago. I assume, I always assume this stuff, ironically, does get started in Reddit threads. Go after Jen Kirkman because it was a bunch of people all at once. And they were tagging Joe Rogan and she stole your pubic hair bit. And I was just like, no. And Joe was like, no, he doesn't know me. I mean, maybe he knows of me, but... We don't follow each other. And he was like, Jen's a comedian. She's totally a pro. She's been doing this. Um, 
I doubt she stole my bit. I don't even know if he watched it. He was just like, this is such a non-issue. And he's like, guys, leave her alone. And then I said, there's no way Joe has watched my stuff. I don't watch Joe's stuff. We are not each other's demographic. So I, I, it wasn't even a case of, oh, well, I, it was out there and I heard it somewhere. It, it was literally, I got a great pubic hair and I thought about some stuff, you know? And so, um, so I don't really agree with some of the people Joe Rogan gives a platform to on his podcast, such as your, um, you know, who, uh, Steve Bannon, didn't he have him on? Or not Julian Assange, but Edward, Edward Snowden. It, this isn't my thing. I don't, I don't know if it's great to give those guys a platform, but Joe Rogan as a human. Uh, he also wrote really nice things about Mrs. Maisel on his uh, Instagram. He was like, this show is fucking great. Whoever writes for this, it's great. They're really getting the stand-up right. And I know a lot of stand-ups that were hard in that show, so I was like, thanks, Joe. Now, that's all. I, that's my personal experience with Joe Rogan. But the point is, when you are... Joe Rogan's the new Jerry Seinfeld in terms of people asking you, you're a comedian, do you know this person, or do you run in their circle? Everyone knows who Joe Rogan is now because of his podcast. So... My doctor's always like, you do comedy. I just went to the comedy store to see Joe Rogan. He was great. Now, the comedy store on a Joe Rogan night is not really like a Jen Kirkman thing. Not that I couldn't do well. I mean, who knows? Maybe I couldn't. But it's a little ma- it's a little masculine to my feminine. And so nothing wrong about that at all. But I assumed, like, my doctor might not like my stuff. Um, but, but again, it sounds like Joe Rogan and I have some pretty similar stuff. So maybe he would. You know, I don't fucking know. But um, it's always weird because I don't have anything bad to say about Joe, but I have nothing to add to the conversation where I'm like, hey, um, I've never met him and I don't do the store really. And then my doctor's like, well, how can you be a comic if you never met Joe Rogan and performed at the comedy store? You don't perform there that much. So, you know, it's one of those things where like the real pain in my neck is literally laying on the table while during the 90 second procedure uh, having to prove that I'm a comic, which thank God I have Netflix specials. Like that, oh, that is like the new conversation ender. It's like, I have two Netflix specials. Oh, okay. And then people take you seriously. And then then it's over. Thank God. So there you go. Um, anyway, my point being though, that this recent appointment, and I'm going to get to the, I'm am I the asshole part? Oh, we're not even there yet. This woman, my Uber driver. So I at the doctor this time, I could have sworn he was putting the needle in the wrong place. I was like, this isn't where the pinch nerve is. And he was like, nope, it is. And I was like, I don't think so. And he's like, well, it's really over here, but you feel it over there. I go, no, no, I get that, but I still think you're doing it in the wrong place. I didn't say it like that, but I was like, oh, this, it just was a different conversation than we had in our consultation. But as he's doing it, he's like, you know, Elon Musk, again, with the, another Joe Rogan conversation, goes, you know, Elon Musk was on Joe Rogan, and because they smoked pot on it, he got fired. Like, I literally was so fucked up on Valium and I don't remember the end of his sentence but he, he got fired from some, I don't remember this scandal that Elon Musk got fired from, I'm not even going to look it up something happened to Elon Musk because he smoked pot on Joe Rogan's podcast and I'm like listen I'm all for you know legalizing marijuana um, on you know not just for medical but Elon Musk seems like he's on his fucking mind he's trying to shoot cars into space like he's definitely a mad genius 
I, I don't know. I mean, it sounds like he's not like great with decision. Like, I don't really, I'm not like, oh my God. Like, it's not the, the protest sign I'm going to pick up and bother you outside of a grocery store with. Get Elon Musk's thing back because he smoked pot on Joe Rogan. Like, maybe don't go smoke pot on Joe Rogan if you want to be taken seriously. I mean, or maybe do. Maybe do if you want to be on the forefront of, I don't fuck, I don't care is my point. So, anyway. But I don't remember anything. So so here's what happened. I lived 22 miles from this appointment. And there were fires in my neighborhood-ish. Um, and in, they would involve the 405 freeway. The fires were near the 405 freeway. And I have to take that to get to this appointment. And uh, it's 22 minutes. And my appointment was at 10 a.m. So that's like... If you don't leave by 8.45, you're stupid. Really leave at 8.30. It's like 90 minutes in LA traffic. And same with on the way back. So I was like, I don't want to get a shot and then have to like drive for 90 minutes. And I was like, also, it's going to be in this really painful area, unlike the other ones. I think I'm going to go for the Valium. But if you take the Valium, you have to get a ride. Now, I don't have any friends. I mean, I have a lot of friends. I don't have any friends who are willing to do, hey, can you pick me up in the Valley? And drive me 90 minutes to the complete other side of Los Angeles near the ocean. And then drive me back. It'll only take about five hours out of your day. Like, that's not happening. So, you, I could take an Uber. Um, but that's like at least 100 bucks each way. And then we're getting into the chit-chat. And I also don't love the way other people drive. So that's a big part of it too for me, which is just like, how do I minimize being a passenger? How do I do this? So I decided, my brilliant idea, and especially because it was kind of smelly where I lived with the fires, I'm going to go stay at a fancy hotel in Beverly Hills, which is closer to where the appointment is. It's only about 10 miles away. And I can Uber from there. Now you say, Jen, why would you stay in a fancy hotel and spend all that money? And I will tell you this, because I had a free night due to my points. So I find this place that I love and I can stay there on booking it through these points. It would cost me 50 extra dollars. And you're not even going to believe this. Within that, I got a $100 dinner credit, a breakfast, a free breakfast, like not breakfast, like you can have a toast at the, I mean, this is like a five-star hotel, like a real breakfast at the thing, at the restaurant and uh, an upgrade. So I was like, I'm going to have a hotel day where I just sleep off the Valium the rest of the day. And then the next morning I had a million meetings all in that area of town and I wouldn't have to drive again through the hell. So, and then I'd only have a 10 minute Uber ride from the hotel to the place. I thought this is perfect. And I'll have an, a nice little relaxing Valium day. So, oh boy, that's not exactly what happened on my ride there. But before I tell you about that, oh my God. Okay, everybody. So one of my favorite sponsors is back. Will I be wearing Everlane clothes on my trip this weekend to Oklahoma City, to Milwaukee, back to LA? Of course I will. I'll be wearing their cashmere sweaters that I have, V-neck they're Oxford shirts that are cotton and very, very soft. I mean, you got, you know this stuff is soft if I'm wearing it on a plane because I travel a lot and I like to be comfortable. And I wear their stretchy pant, which is uh, called their work pant. And it's not stretchy like, like you can go jogging in it. It's just 
a nice fitted pant with a little bit of stretch in it. So it's great for sitting on airplanes. Everlane, I love it. E-V-E-R-L-A-N-E dot com slash fun. It is stylish. It is sophisticated. It is simple. It is not fast fashion. It is 100% materials like grade A cashmere, quality cotton, sustainable silks. They've got this Japanese denim that's made at the world's cleanest denim factory, Italian-made leather shoes, outerwear made from recycled water bottles. They tell you exactly how much things cost and why. They tell you how things are made. They are completely transparent. And you can check out their collection at everlane.com slash fun. And you will get free shipping on your first order. But if you want to feel good about something, you can feel good about Everlane. They are an environmentally conscientious company. What's awesome about Everlane is that there's even some clothing that you can decide what you want to pay for it. And they'll be like, listen, this is made in this factory. This is how we did this. They don't mark up T-shirts that cost them less to make. It's, it's, you can feel good about yourself in this stuff. And Angelina Jolie is worn Everlane. I mean, come on. You think you're better than her? You're not. You're not. So be like me and Angie. Go get your Everlane and you're going to look super stylish. Now. If you're like, oh, God, it's online shopping time. The holidays are here. You need every penny you can fucking get or you're going to be asking your neighbor to cook for you. So here's the deal. Basically, get some free money, honey. Get some money, honey, by going to Honey, the website. Go to joinhoney.com slash fun. That is the website, joinhoney.com slash fun. You ever buy something online and you find out you could have gotten it for less? There's nothing worse than that. Nothing. It's like, it's like if you were on Jeopardy and then you say the wrong answer and then someone else next to you says, you're like, I, oh, and it comes to you later. Or you go to a party and someone says something rude and then you think of a comeback on the way home. You're like, why couldn't it all line up at the same time? Well, luckily, there's Honey, the free browser extension that saves you time and money when shopping online. Everyone likes to save money, but do you really want to take... A coupon to the store? Do you really want to look up a code? It's like, can it just happen automatically? Well, yes, if you download Honey, the free browser extension. It scans the internet for internet? It scans the internet for coupon codes and other discounts while you're shopping. It's like magic. It automatically applies the discount with the biggest savings to your cart at checkout. It knows about every coupon code and other discount at over 20,000 sites like Amazon, Macy's, J. Crew, Sephora, Target. I mean, you're going to be doing Christmas shopping very soon. Why not get some money back for doing it and then buy yourself a little something? It's amazing. You're going to find savings when you shop. It feels like slicing through that wrapping paper on one try with the scissors. Just You could save like 40 bucks on one thing. Honey has 10 million users. And between all of them, billions of dollars in savings. You could save like 100 bucks a year using this thing. And then you can get yourself something nice. Honey. There's really no reason not to use it. It's free. It installs in your computer in two clicks. Get Honey for free at joinhoney.com slash fun. Perfect. Okay. So I'm going to this this thing. So, all right. So I I start to drive 
at 8.30 a.m. to my 10 a.m. appointment. And there is, I mean, the traffic is worse than I've ever seen. I actually can't get out of my driveway. It's never that. And I'm like, this is weird. And my Waze, I don't know if you guys use Waze, but it's, it's like Google Maps or one of those things, but it's, it's another traffic app that sort of tells you the ins and outs where you can go to avoid traffic. It doesn't always work that great. And sometimes this time Waze was like, oh, total time in traffic, 10 minutes. And I'm like, this isn't 10 minutes. I can't get out of my driveway. This will be two fucking hours. So I'm like, what's going on? It's the fires, blah, blah. And then I hear there's a jumper on the 101 freeway. And there has been since midnight. This guy is on the 101 freeway. So I live sort of in between the 101 and the 405. Guy gets, I don't know, up on the bridge over the 101. This has happened before. It must be a popular spot. If it's where I think it is, it is a gorgeous bridge. Not to kill yourself on it, to, to take a walk over it. It takes about one minute. It's a cute, tiny little bridge. So he's there. He wants to jump. The firefighters have been there for seven hours, eight hours. And he's still there. And I can't get to my appointment on time. I was like, oh, dude, just get down. Just get down. But it doesn't matter. Even if they got him down that second, they still had to do a bunch of, you know, the traffic wouldn't have cleared up. So, so I was late, which is fine. I was going to be late, and I called them and told them. And then the fires, that was making everything crazy. So I finally get, but when, when things happen on another side of LA, like the other side of LA doesn't recognize it. When I got there, I was like, someone almost jumped off the 101 at my part of town. They just looked at me like I was the one that almost jumped. They were like, okay. And I was like, I mean, it was like, we were, the traffic was really, really bad. Like they were trying to get him down for eight hours and, and they were like, okay, well you're here now. And I hate when people say that because it means you're acting a little bit like hyper. And then I feel ashamed. Um, but it's not their fault. It's mine. The shame was there. So, by the way, the guy is alive. I don't know any other details. I haven't followed up with it, but I guess the, he said he was hungry. So they went and got him a cheeseburger. They didn't bring it to him, but they had it down. They had it down with them. Like, well, if you don't jump, you can come get a cheeseburger. And I actually think they saved his life with a cheeseburger, which is pretty great. So I get to my appointment. Oh, no, no, no. I just fast forwarded through the whole story. <laughs> I get to the hotel. And again, it's fancy schmance. Again, I'm there on my points. And it would be fine if I paid for it, but the point of it is that I did not. So I valet my car while I then go leave my suitcase at the front desk and then go call an Uber outside. And I hear this woman talking to the valet and she's like, yeah, we got evacuated from the fires. I mean, our house isn't in the, it's not in the direct area where we could get, you know, caught up in the fire, but we still have to evacuate nonetheless. And it's just really hard because it gets expensive. She's in a five-star hotel that she does not need to be in at all with four people in her family. And you went to get two rooms. Oh, boo-hoo. And I'm like, you're telling someone who parks cars for a living that your life is hard because your bajillion-dollar home had to be evacuated and so your only option is to stay in a five-star hotel for a week. Cut the fucking shit, lady. And the guy was so polite to her. I mean, of course. He has no choice. Working for that tip. 
It's hard. And then I didn't even see her tip. Oh, that was the point. She didn't even tip him. He gives her the car keys. She doesn't even tip. I I mean, you can't do that, people. You cannot stay in a five-star hotel and look any of the service people in the eye and not tip them. You can't. Or don't look them in the eye and say nothing. But you cannot complain about how hard your life is because you had to stay in a five-star hotel because you got evacuated, for fuck's sake. Anyway, so I call an Uber. And it used to just be on Uber Black, which is the fancy one. You had the option to ask for quiet, no conversation. And it came up on regular. So I was like, oh, great. Things are changing. And I didn't want conversation. Now, why do you say? Well, because I was, I, I had taken my Valium and it was starting to kick in. And I was slurring and sleepy. And I also just wanted to relax and do like a little closed eye meditation on the drive to the medical procedure. And I also put, I don't want to talk because usually the conversations are about what you do for a living and usually it's a male driver and then those conversations always turn to something about being single or dating or are you married and it's really creepy. So I don't. I want to talk about comedy. I already know I'm going to talk about it at the doctor's office. I don't want to talk about my marital status. Quiet is a good option. Now, I'm not always quiet in every car. But when I ask for the option, I would enjoy it to be whatever. So I get in the car, and I see that there's a woman coming. Let's call her Olga. And I was like, oh, good. A woman will totally respect the quiet rule. Now, this is for all you men out there who say, women do it too. Well, in my 45 years, I've rarely experienced women doing the things that men do that, that we complain about. But this one's for you. A woman did it too. But it's different. It's never threatening or sexual or weird. This is just annoying. So it's always different, but it's still annoying. She picks me up and she says, Hi, um, what time do you have to be at your appointment? Now that is irrelevant to anything because I'm already late. So I have to be there now. But she has a GPS. It does just get just drive there using the speed limit and just get there. And I said, well, and I don't want to say I'm in a hurry because then these people start driving like daredevils and I don't want that kind of shit. I said, just get there when you get there. But, you know, don't don't take the scenic route, please. And she said, "Okay, um, oh, I noticed you wanted a quiet conversation, quiet car. How come? This is the second time someone has asked me how come and didn't obey it. The first was a guy in Vegas a couple weeks ago. And luckily I was drunk. And that's why I put up with such nonsense. My mom and I had been day drinking and then I got in a uh, Uber and he goes, oh, you want a quiet conversation? A lot of people in Vegas usually want to talk. And I was like, it's fine. So I said to her, yeah, I would like it quiet. Thank you. And then I shut my eyes and she said again, why? Now you go, oh, Jen, you could have said none of your business. I, I can't treat people that way. I don't do that. Now, I realize that setting a boundary via the app and then someone saying why and then you saying I don't need a reason is not being rude. It's setting a boundary. It feels uncomfortable, but it's not because it's rude. It's because it's uncomfortable to set boundaries. I couldn't do it. I couldn't do it. And then my mind starts questioning my own boundary. Why do you need a quiet, Jen? She's right. Why don't you be 
a talkative, nice person. Why don't you be a go-getter? Aren't you in the entertainment industry? Why don't you entertain her? Aren't you a writer? Why don't you live life and hear stories? Aren't you a comedian? Why don't you try to get some material out of this? Why do you need a quiet ride? That's my brain was just going there. So I just said, yeah, um, I'm having a medical procedure. So, And I knew once I said that, this is going to make her talk more. She goes, are you getting um, facial work done? Now, it's L.A., I mean, that's a pretty normal assumption. And I said, oh, I said, I'm on Valium. I'm getting a medical procedure done, and I'm going to start slurring any minute. And uh, that's what she said. Are you getting work done? And I said, no, no. And she goes, oh, because you look, you are so beautiful. You don't need it. Well, let's just say I was. That's not going to turn me around on an appointment that you probably can't cancel without a penalty. Oh, wait. You have an opinion on my, I mean, so far she's like a dude. And I was like, yeah, well, thanks. But even if I, like, let's say I was going to get work done. And she's like, you're beautiful. You don't need to. It would probably be because I got work to look beautiful. So like, I do actually, that's why I look good. I got all this work done. I got to go refresh. Anyway. So I said, well, thanks. No, I wasn't being overly nice. A lot of times people with no boundaries have called me really nice. And you know why? Is because sometimes around people with no boundaries, my boundaries go away and it's not good. And then they're like, you're so nice. And what they're saying is, what they don't realize they're saying is other people shut me down because they have better boundaries. You're nice. But what it really means is right now you're being codependent and you have zero boundaries and I can talk to you without feeling judged and I'm going to completely take advantage of it and never stop talking because I don't know boundaries. I have trauma. Like that's literally all that's happening. So that's what was happening in this car ride. And I knew it. I was like, you can't fight someone's inner trauma. You just can't. I got to talk this whole time. There's never going to be a normal understanding of boundaries with this woman. So let's take the ride. So I'm just like, okay, I'm here for it. I readjusted my brain and I was like, here we go. And I pull out my phone and the live tweet everything that's happening, which is terrible. But Listen, if you don't want me to live tweet our conversation, then when I check quiet conversation, quiet car, you maybe that's why. So am I the asshole here? So I don't know what am I the asshole for. for, Am I the asshole for not being happy about how this ride went down? So she uh, she says, what is it for? And I said, "Uh, it's my back. It's just a pinch nerve. Oh, well, you know, do you do Pilates? You you should do Pilates. I go, yeah. I go, listen, it's a part-time job. I do all the things. Everyone gives me remedies. I don't need them. It's it's, the bone is on a nerve. Like it's the chiropractor can't even do it. The nerve is inflamed. It's inflamed in between deteriorating discs. I'm going to be fine. I'm not one of these people that's like, my back, my back. I read Dr. John Sarno. I don't even believe in back surgery if I needed it. I'm not doing it. Trust me. Anyone that wants to give me their hippie advice, I'm already there. And I said, no, I do a lot of Pilates. This is just something that needs this. Oh, okay. She goes, you know, I don't, I like, I like reformer Pilates, which is a type of machine. I don't like Matt Pilates. I find it hard. I think it, and she goes, I don't like yoga. It doesn't relax me at all. In fact, the way I have to put my body and she's going on and on. And she says, so you took Valium? And I said, yeah. And she said, well, I don't notice it kicking in that much yet. I go, well, I feel it. And she said, I have to take Valium when I get MRIs because I get anxious. And I said, oh, weird. 
I don't get anxious in closed spaces. I don't mind. I don't mind an MRI. And she goes, well, I have to get an MRI every year for breast stuff. Do you? And I said, yeah, actually, I, I, I do. Well, not an MRI every year, but I, I guess, you know. Yeah. And she goes, yeah, um, do you have it in your family? And I said, yep, my sister had breast cancer, but that's about it. My dad's mom did, but she was in her 70s. And anyway, everyone survived, so, and I don't have the gene, tested for the gene. She goes, you're Ashkenazi Jewish. And I go, nope, I'm not. And she's blonde and from Greece. And she was like, no, I can tell you're Ashkenazi Jewish. And I was like, well, that's what my doctor said, too, when I went in for the test. She goes, you probably do have the gene because you're Ashkenazi. I go, I'm not. She goes, yeah, you are. I go, I'm not. Not like, I'm not like, uh, no, I'm not. But I, I mean, I'm just, as far as I know, I'm not Jewish in terms of how many times Santa Claus has come to my house. <laughs> but, um, and again, I'm German and Polish, so <laughs> probably not some great stuff there. Um, so I said, no, I'm not. Uh, she goes, oh. And then she goes, uh, uh, everyone in my family died of breast cancer. I go, oh. She goes, everyone, every woman. I'm the only one left. And I go, oh, I'm so sorry. She goes, yeah, you would love Greece. It's really beautiful. And then she goes on and on. She goes, so what you can do is you're going to rent. She just started saying, like, I'm going to do this. You're going to rent a captain, and he's going to take you on these boats. It's a few thousand dollars for a few weeks. And I'm like, what does she think I have all this time and money? She probably does because she picked me up at a fancy hotel. And it's the middle of a work day, and I'm on Valium going to get a pinched nerve all shot up. She probably thinks all I have is time and money. She doesn't know I paid for it all with points, and I've got great health insurance. And that I picked the cheaper Uber. She doesn't put that all together. Anyway, you're going to get this captain. He's going to take you around on all the islands. It's three weeks. Um, it's really beautiful. You can see everything. She goes, but all of those islands, my family lived everywhere. So if I went, I would be so sad because everybody's dead. And I would just think of death. I would just be on a boat trying to drink wine, but thinking of death. And I thought, oh, well, I don't think you should do that then. She goes, no, but I would I would be fun to go with. We could go dancing and we could have wine in the day. And she goes, you're so pretty. You should go. You should go. I bet all the men would love you. And I, I said, okay. I mean, the thought of like being alone on a trip and like men hitting on me on a boat is awful. Like, I don't understand those women that are just dying for male attention. I fucking hate it. Like, in a general way, it's so annoying to me. Doesn't interest me. So, and maybe I've just been on the earth too many years for that to be interesting anymore. You know, like, I've been young. Maybe there was a time when I felt that way. But I've, I've never really been one for men that are strangers. You know, like, if I met someone and developed a crush on them, I'd be so into if they liked me. But, like, in a general way, like, male attention, I'm just like, yeah, men like women. Men that like women like women. Okay. You know, like, uh, who cares? So she goes, but you got to be careful. The Italians come over and they pretend they're Greek and that's how they get women. Now, I don't know what this weird stereotype or story is that Italians, like, why would you have to pretend you're Greek? If you're Italian, I would think that's just as alluring to an American woman. Like, I don't know. They pretend they're Greek. I guess maybe Greek men are supposed to be less, uh, so I, I listen, I don't fucking know. It's got to be some inter-European rivalry that I'm not aware of. So anyway, I can't, she can't go to Greece with me, guys, because her, everyone in her family's dead. So then she starts going on. She's got kids. 
Her son, you know, he's not really, doesn't really get good grades, but he's amazing at soccer and he's probably going to end up at some academy, but he has to get good grades. And then now her daughter's calling on the phone and now she's talking on the phone with one hand, like she's holding a phone like it's 2003 and and we're on the 405 freeway, which is a six lane freeway. And she's in between two trucks and the truck to our left has its right blinker on. He needs to get over in our lane to get off the freeway and she's in his blind spot. And I'm like, all of a sudden, the Valium just stopped working because my adrenal glands just blew, just ate it up like Pac-Man eating a ghost. I was just like, boing! And I was like, um, the truck, the thing. And so I had to help navigate her while she was on the phone with her daughter who was saying she didn't like her Halloween costume because this was the day before Halloween. She didn't like her Halloween costume and she wanted to change it. And then she hangs up the phone and she gets back to what she was saying. And she said, you know, you're really, really nice. And I'm just thinking like, I'm just boundaryless right now because I didn't keep it up. And then she goes, what's your sign? And I said, Virgo. And she's Aries. And she gets along with Virgos really well. Now, I have Aries in my life. My mom's an Aries. I have a lot of friends that are Aries, but I never think about people that are Aries. And they're always telling me that they love Virgos. And next week, I'm going to read an article about how astrology is becoming more acceptable. But like I notice when people are Pisces, Capricorn uh, and Capricorn and Leo, like I will talk about that all the time in Scorpio, but Aries, I'm always like, eh, I don't care. Um, and I feel bad because they're always up our butts, but we're just like, yeah, we don't really care. So she's like, I think you're really nice. She goes, I don't even think it's your sign. I think you're like a really special person. And I was like, the fuck is happening? She goes, I'd like to be your friend. And I was like, oh boy. Well, first, she wants to be my friend, but she can't do the most fun thing with me, which is go to Greece and go dancing and have wine. And she actually, to to give her credit, she wasn't actually asking me to be her friend, if that made sense. She was just like, you're someone I could be friends with. Like, I get what she meant. Now, a lot of you probably think, oh, Jen, people know who you are. Like, I can't emphasize to you enough that I am not famous in that way. So she didn't know who I was. She, I don't even think she knows what comedy is. So then she goes, um... Uh, she goes, I really, then, then I started to sympathize with her. She goes, I really hate driving. I got so excited when I saw I was picking up a woman and I said, I got excited when I saw a female driver until you wouldn't shut the fuck up. She goes, but when men get in the car, it's really scary. She said, um, at night I can't, I won't pick up men if they're in a group. And she said, whenever they're drunk, they won't get out of the car and they usually, ask if they can pay her extra for sex and she said it gets really scary and she's been propositioned almost every time she picks up a man at night and she's feared for her life a lot and I really that's when if you want to talk to me talk to me about that stuff because now I am hook line and sunken and I told her that my quiet thing is always on because it's usually men that want to talk but when they want to talk it's always like something sexual and weird and and um, that I'm always bummed when it's a dude driver too. And so we bonded. And then that's when she was like, well, I would like to be your personal driver. This is like a bad sitcom where it's like, it's like someone gets guilted into hiring a personal driver that they can't afford, nor do they need, but they have bad boundaries. And I said, oh, well, I don't use Uber a lot in town because I drive everywhere. And she was like, for your, for your appointments. And I was like, I don't have a series of appointments or I'm like running around on Valium. So I said, I really don't need it, but thank you. And then she was like, well, I'm going to give you my number when you get out of the car. And then my phone rang. And it was comedian and friend of mine, Jackie Cation. She was following the situation on Twitter. And she was not calling me 
to save me. She hadn't really clued into that I was on my way to an appointment and was high on the drugs, but she thought I was done with it. And she was like, are you in West Hollywood? Let's have lunch. And I said, I am not. But we were still on the phone as I was getting out of the car. And so I never had to deal with that awkward thing of like taking her number. So that was it. I don't know. Am I the asshole for live tweeting that? I mean, I didn't give any clues to who she could be. Just thought it was kind of funny. But my tweets were nice. And they ended with, you know, I hope someday we can go to Greece and have some wine together. And I hope she heals from the trauma of everyone in her family dying. Sounds like she has some nice kids and that's nice. So there you go. That's my, am I the asshole story? So then I got back to my hotel and um, it, it was great. It was beautiful, but I was afraid to do anything because there was a balcony and I was like, I don't want to fall off. I've taken some Valium and I didn't want to have a drink. And then my doctor, this is the weird thing. When he was done with me, I told him like, oh, I got, I'm at this like staycation at a hotel today. He goes, oh, he goes, well, later tonight, put your back on ice and then go get a martini on ice. And I go, I can't drink on Valium. And he goes, okay. And then the nurse guy was like, honey, you can totally drink on Valium. And I was like, what? Now, I've had a drink on Clonopin before because I take it on planes and I've had one and it hasn't kicked in. I've had a, a beer or something to like, you know, uh, I've mixed it before. But for some reason, like because I'm not used to Valium, I will not. And I know it can stop you breathing. I know you have to take so much Valium and so much alcohol to actually arrest your breathing. But here's my fear is that I'm an easy drunk. So like if I have, I don't mean easy sexually. So if I have a Valium and a drink, that's like nine drinks for me. And I get super happy. I lose all judgment. I'm like, I'll have another. And I was afraid if I had one that I would feel so slap happy that I'd have more and then I would go up to the balcony and fall off and die, or I'd climb into bed and fall asleep and stop breathing. So I didn't. Aren't you proud of me, everybody? I mean, it wasn't even a temptation. Um, I went down and I had $100 worth of food, though, on that $100 food credit. I think the restaurant was like, what is happening? Why is this woman? I had like a four-course Italian meal by myself. Um, and it was fantastic. It's always a little weird, though, when you're not drinking and you're eating that much food. Like, it just looks like... I don't know how to explain it because there's nothing to do in between courses. Like there's nothing to enjoy. Just sitting there drinking water is weird. Also, I have a new, I have a new question and we have to wrap up right now, but I have a new question for everybody. And you can email me about this. I didn't even get to half the things I was going to talk about today. I'm like, I don't have enough to talk about. I have a new question for everybody. I've noticed this in restaurants in the past couple months, with the exception of Brooklyn, where everybody, Brooklyn is where you want to go. If you are a woman with a book, go to Brooklyn and have dinner. Every restaurant on a weeknight between five and seven are professional women eating alone at the bar or at a two-top, reading a book and eating dinner. It's like, it's a thing. So everywhere I go, when I bring a book and I sit alone, the waiters never come over to me like I, I I've learned now that whenever I have the book in my hand they don't ask me if I want another drink they don't ask me if they can clear my plate they don't ask me if they can bring out the second course they ignore me and I it's very strange 
And what I've realized is, this is my theory, is that younger people, like people in their early 20s, are not used to seeing people out reading books. And I, it could be a book or a Kindle. And they think that it means leave me alone, the way that looking at your phone kind of means leave me alone. And they're trying not to interrupt, except that the book is not so that I won't be interrupted. The book is something to do in between... Like, the book is just, like, you can totally interrupt me reading. I'm just reading to have something to do at dinner. But yes, I want another glass of wine. And yes, you can take my plate. And yes, please bring me the dessert menu. Like, I've had I've had dinners that last so long when I read because nobody's coming to the table. So is that a generational thing? Like, it reminds me of we're just being polite so we don't ring the doorbell when I can't hear my Postmates and it's a young person. And I'm like were you knocking? And they're like, yeah, I'm like, I can't hear knocking. Not because I'm like, I'm an old lady, but I'm, you know, I can't hear knocking. Um, anyway, so is that a thing? Is this a generational thing where young people in restaurants, they just culturally aren't used to seeing people with books or Kindles? I don't know. It's There's something going on, but it, it only happens with the younger people. So there you go. And I'm, I'm not shitting on them. I'm just wondering. I seem fun at gmail.com. You can answer that question. Before we go, may I just ask you a goddamn question, you guys? Can you please send me an iTunes review? Just go Apple Podcasts, as they call it. Give it five stars. Be sincere. Tell us what you love about it. I will read it on air. I promise I will start adding that back into the show. Please get tickets to my shows in advance. I'll tell you the honest truth. When not a lot of tickets are sold in advance, I run the risk of canceling shows. So don't do that. Don't do that. Go buy tickets. JenKirkman.com. Click tour. When you buy tickets, tweet about it. Instagram it. I will, I will send you a personal video thank you on Instagram if you DM me your ticket information. Um, if you add it to your story, I'll add it to mine and I'll thank you. And if you tweet at me, I'll retweet you, give you a shout out. There you go. You're going to be famous. And as always, there is amazing merchandise in the Jen Kirkman store at Tee Public. Every sale employs an independent designer. We've got great stuff that says, I seem fun. I hate fun. Having funlessness with Jen Kirkman. I meditated today, motherfucker. Both the clean and the swear version. We have got cool stuff. A picture of my sister's cat Mittens sitting in a bale of hay that says, hey girl, I mean, you need that. You love to see it, as they say. Go to jenkirkman.com and click tour. I mean, nope. Why would you do that? Go to jenkirkman.com and click shop. And November 8th through 13th, there is a 35% off site-wide sale. And we've got uh, new pins, which is kind of awesome. You can get an iSeam Fun pin and they're super fucking cool. So there you go. That's how you can support me and uh, keep your ears peeled. I am going to try to bring some Patreon stuff to you guys in the new year. And again, I'm part of the Scarborough Country family. Please tune in. Uh, go to sclarbrocountry.com, S-K-L-A-R-B-R-O country.com. And you can hear this podcast on uh, CastBox FM, TuneIn, Stitcher, Radio Public, Apple. You know it. You're already listening. Next week, we are going to talk about gender reveal parties and maybe some astrology. And listeners who don't know if it's okay to not have your life together by 30. And I'm going to drop some philosophy on you about the concept of object A, which is always thinking that once you get this, you'll be okay and it's an illusion. Real, real quick, real, real quick. This girl in Australia loved the book, um, A Woman of No Importance. She wants 
a book with a strong female lead so she can start reading it on the beach in the wintertime in Australia. It's summer there. I spent Thanksgiving in Australia once. It was gorge. I'm going to tell you, my latest drunk history was about the first woman swimmer named Annette Kellerman. She is from Sydney, then moved to Melbourne. She invented the cannonball. She invented the bathing suit for women. She was the first woman that was like, get in the fucking water. Stop standing on the shore with all your clothes on. So Google anything about Annette Kellerman that you can, my Australian friend who wants to read on the beach. And I bet her biography, I don't know officially what it's called, but I bet there's a ton on her. Uh, Go find it. She was fucking awesome. And uh, if anyone has any book recommendations for our Australian friend with a strong female lead, send it to iseemfun at gmail.com and I'll read them on the air next week. So everybody, let's do it. Oh my God, I forgot to tell you another thing in the Am I the Asshole? I'll save it for next week. Is people at Whole Foods, three separate people in their 20s, didn't know what hard candy was. And I had to act it out and describe it because I was going to the hospital for a friend to get something, um, get something for a friend in the hospital. And it's fucking funny. I'll tell you about it next week. It'll be top of the hour next week. Young people don't know what hard candy is. All right. Until next week, have fun.